If you have your Bibles, be opening up to John chapter 15. Let me ask you a question. Where do you turn to when you need strength? I mean, you, you, you look at God's Word and you see what God's Word is calling you to do or to be or to say, but, but, it, but it's going to take some strength that you're not sure you have in order to do this thing. Where do you turn to whenever you need endurance? I mean, life just seems to pile on you one thing after the other, and, and you've, you've done a good job of holding on, but, but, but quite honestly, it's beginning to overwhelm you to the point that it's even affecting your faith. Where do you turn to when you need wisdom? When you need understanding? You're, you're faced with the situations of life, and to be quite honest, you don't know what to do. You don't know whether to look to your left or to look to your right. You, you're, you're quite overwhelmed just needing some guidance. Where do you turn to when you're looking for purpose? You look at your life and the years that you have given in your life, and, and you just wonder, is there anything behind it all? What on earth are we here for anyways? Right? I, my, my days are beginning to be more and more numbered, and I wonder, did they matter for anything? Where do you turn to? Where do you turn to when you begin to look for security in your salvation? I mean, you understand everything that the Bible says about the one's forgiveness of sins, but yet, but yet in your own mind you are so keenly aware of why you ought not to be saved. You are so keenly aware of your own sin and the things that you have done or have not done, have said or have not said, that have fallen short of the glory of God. Where do you look to? Where do you look to in your life when, when it seems as if there is no joy in your life? And maybe, maybe you're doing all the things that you know that you ought to do, but, 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 but you do them so coldly and so mechanically and only as a matter of, of obedience... And it's just a depressing thought to think about life itself because there is no joy. Well, in our text, Jesus, Jesus is speaking to His disciples who, who their world is about to change. But as their world changes, as happens with a lot of change, their world is crumbling around them. And here in John chapter 15, they have gotten up and they have left the upper room. And Jesus has, has, has been trying to prepare them for the fact that tomorrow I'm going to die. Tomorrow your leader, the one that you have given everything to, is going to die on the cross on purpose. And He wants them to know these things and, and he's, telling them these, 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 he's telling them these things that their hearts might not be troubled so that they might have peace but yet, no matter how many times you say that, this is going to be difficult. And so, and so they get up from, from that table and they begin to walk. And you know where they're going, right? They're going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and it's in that place that we will see that, that this burden is not only upon the disciples, but that, the, that, that this burden of life is also upon Jesus Himself. But he says to his disciples as they are on their journey in, in John 15, he says to them, I am the true vine, 
And my Father is the vine dresser. And it is as if Jesus is speaking to His disciples and He says, he says guys, guys, look at me. I want you to look at me. I'm the source. I'm the one who's going to give you what you need. I'm the one who's going to get you through the things that you need to get through. I'm the one that's going to make sure that that the provision that you need, that you feel like you don't have, I'm the one who's going to make sure that you have that thing. I, guys, I am the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. I, I couldn't help but think about Peter I couldn't help but think about Peter as he, as, he walked on the, as he walked on the water, but yet he became distracted. He became overwhelmed by the wind and by the waves, and he took his eyes off of Jesus. And when that happened, and when that happened, he began to sink. And Jesus is saying to, to his disciples, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted by the winds and the waves. I know the winds and the waves are very real things. Don't be distracted by those of your own number who are hypocrites. Don't be distracted by, by those that we meet who hate the message that, 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 we are, that we are bringing forth. Don't be distracted by people who hate you and will hate you for your faith. You keep your eyes on me. I am the vine. I am the vine. I am the source of everything that you are going to need in order to bear fruit in the vineyard of God. You keep your eyes on me. Now, now he doesn't just say keep your eyes on me for no purpose. He, he tells us, no, I have great expectations of you. G God has standards, right? God has expectations of, of you and me. And, and, he, and, he, and with his terminology, he says, he says that that expectation is that we be a people who bear fruit. Because he says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. You see, there's, that, there's this danger, there's this danger, church, that you just exist. There's this danger that all you do is Fill up a space in the world. And, and I wish it were not so, but I fear that there are many people who identify themselves as followers of Christ who, who they think that, that, that being a follower of Christ means that they sit in a building on Sunday morning. Now, I will tell you as a group of people who are sitting in a building on a Sunday morning that it's not less than that. But it is so much more than that. He says, I expect you to bear fruit. We say, well, what is this fruit? And possibly he could talk about the fruit that comes from souls being one to Christ. Very likely that's part of what he's talking about. Of course, you remember he's here in order to seek and to save the law. So, so that's going to be the ultimate fruit that's going to be, that's going to be produced. But, 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 but you think, I can't, I can't talk. I'm trying to go quick and I can't talk. So I'm going to slow down. No, they say, just keep going fast, Wes. I can't help but think about what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit that is produced 
when one lives their lives being led by the Spirit, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, those are the things that ought to be being produced in our lives. There ought to be a difference in the life of someone who is attached to the vine of Jesus Christ and the life of someone who is not attached to the life of to, to the vine that is Jesus Christ. What is that difference to be? Love? Joy? Peace? Should we have more peace than people who don't know Jesus? Absolutely we should. Should we, should we know something and, and exemplify love more than people who do not know Jesus? Absolutely we should. Should we be involved in kindness and goodness more than those who do not? Of course, on and on we go. Otherwise, being attached to Jesus doesn't really mean much. That's that expectation. Don't just say, I'm a Christian. Understand what it means to say, I am a Christian. It means to say, I look like Jesus. I, I am reflecting the very nature of God into a world that's filled with darkness. And if we fail to do that, if we fail to do that, He prunes the tree. Every branch that bears, excuse me, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. See, this is all about a process. Whether, whether you're doing well or you're not doing well, where God is trying to help you to be more productive. He wants us, he wants us to, be, to be active in shining that light into the world. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I, I don't like prune trees. Don't y'all hate it? You guys live in neighborhoods where, you're, where people prune the trees? There's a, there's a house down the street from me. Every year, somebody comes and prunes their trees. It is, those trees are ugly. Like, like, what in the world? You had a real beautiful tree going on there, and somebody came back and pruned it. And now it looks like it needs help. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? They do that so that the next year it will be even more beautiful and more beautiful and more beautiful so that it will grow. And Jesus is saying to His disciples, I understand what's coming. I understand what you're dealing with. But don't let that be your excuse for doing nothing. Don't let that become this thing that cripples you in, the, in this life. The Hebrew writer would say in Hebrews 12 and verse 11, he, about, he's talking about the discipline of the Lord, which I think I would combine that to, to pruning of a tree, right? And by the way, you don't have to be doing bad to be disciplined. You're just trying to learn to be disciplined. But no discipline or no chastening seems joyful for the present, but painful. Yeah, those trees look like they're in pain, right? Nevertheless... Afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So, so Jesus is saying, I am the vine. I am the vine and we are in God's vineyard and I expect you to bear fruit. Now, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. This is a word of encouragement. Jesus is not, he's not really trying to to, to chasten his disciples here. He's not trying to, to get on to them. He's not trying to say, you sorry a lot, which he probably could. We could pick out some things that he could be pretty down about. But, but, but he says, I know who you are. 
right? I know that you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. I understand who this is this morning. Now, I know I'm not speaking to a group of perfect people, right? But, 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 I, but I believe you're here this morning because I'm speaking to a group of people who love the Lord. And that stands in contrast to the majority of the people in the world who don't love the Lord. And so even though at times when we talk about things that are difficult and the need to grow and the need at times to repent and things of that nature, you say that with a full understanding that these are people that actually do care about the will of God. That's a great thing, isn't it? That's a great thing, guys. If I didn't think you cared about the Word of God, why would I waste my breath, right? Why would I take what Jesus says, take pearls and throw them before swine? Swine don't care about, uh, about pearls. Oh, but God's people do. That's what he's saying to his disciples. So what I'm saying is, I understand who you are. Here's my encouragement. Abide in me. Don't leave. You keep resting. You keep trusting. You keep leaning upon me. Abide in me and I in you. But don't think, don't think no matter where you're at today that you can do this alone. See, this is one of those things that comes sometimes as people grow closer and closer to Christ and we grow in our maturity. We become, we become more and more convinced of our own strength. It's a, human, it's a human nature thing, I suppose. But we become more and more, more, and more convinced of, of our own strength. And Jesus says, no, I know who you are. I'm just telling you, you abide in me. You abide in me and I in you. It, it, it was just in, in the previous just a couple previous chapters when Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples and Peter, and Peter is a pretty great guy. Peter is a pretty spiritually mature, spiritually uh, desirous to serve the Lord. And the Lord says he's going to die. And he says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus says, you will lay down your life for my sake. Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. See, Peter, you think you're strong. You think you're strong. You may be stronger. You may, have, you may have come farther than a whole lot of people. But you're about to face some things that you're not strong enough for. You need me. It's going to need Jesus in the, in the coming chapters. You know how that plays out. But, but just, just this admonition. I know where you are, but don't fall from here. Let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now, who's, who's supposed to listen to that? Me. You. Whoever thinks he stands. I'd say that's a pretty good verse for a group of people who gather together on a Sunday morning in a church building to listen to. Let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. I thought about Deuteronomy chapter 8. When, when, when God's people were about to go into the land of Canaan, and, and he's about to bless them and have all these things, and he says in Deuteronomy 8, verses 10 through 11, he says, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. But beware. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I commanded you today. See, that's when we tend to forget. We don't forget about God when we're desperate. We forget about God when times are good. Man, if I'm desperate, I know, I know I need some help. When times are good, sometimes I can overlook the fact that I need help. He says in verse 17, It is then that you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. 
And you know the text. He says, no, it hasn't. It's God that's given you the, even the power to make wealth. He says to his disciples who are, about, who are about to go through this traumatic event, don't forget about me. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. For I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And the more that you lean upon Jesus, the more fruit that you're going to produce. For without me, you can do nothing. Isn't that a dissettling verse? Jesus looks at his disciples, and I think he's looking at you and me, and he says, all right, don't take your eyes on me. Don't be distracted by me or by, by, by the things that aren't me. You, 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 you stay right here. You rest in me. You abide in me. For apart from me, he says, you can do, what's he say, church? Nothing. Right? For apart from me, you can do nothing. I think I, I, I like to think I can do some stuff. I mean, I like to think I'm, I'm, you know, I got some skills. I got some experience. I, I bring something to the game. Listen, you, you can't do anything of any eternal significance outside of Jesus Christ. Now, I hope that humbles us. I hope that's not news to us. But I hope it humbles us. But he's not saying that to say, man, you're not nearly as good as you think you are. That's not what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, I want you to realize that so that you will also realize, so that you will also realize that, that through me you can do what? All things. I want you to realize that. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, when he's trying to struggle with materialism, he's trying to struggle with what do you do with the lot? Listen, some of you, some of you in this audience are struggling with what do you do with all of the money that you have? And he's also trying to struggle with what do you do when you have a little? And there are some in this audience who are trying to, who are trying to struggle with what do you do when you don't have very much? How do you find contentment when all I want is a little more? How do you find contentment when it feels like I don't have anything? What's the answer to that? Paul says the answer to that is Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not about the football game Friday night. It's not what it's about. It's about the Christian life. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 3 in verse 5, not that we are sufficient in ourse of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. I think it's the New American Standard that, that says, instead of saying sufficiency, he says our adequacy. And just this understanding of I'm so inadequate. Haven't we all felt inadequate before? Haven't we? We've all felt inadequate. I've told y'all before. I think, about, I think about the first time I asked my wife out on a date. And before I asked her out on a date, there were 50 reasons in my head about why she ought to say no. They're very real reasons. Right, Ken? I know you didn't go through that list in your mind, but no. But you should have. Okay? Uh, Wendy, fill them in later. But, 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 but th that's where I went through. He says, that's what, that's what life is like. Here's 
50 reasons why I can't do what I know God wants me to do. Here's 50 reasons why I don't think I can hang on anymore. Here's 50 reasons why I feel so lost. Here's 50 reasons why, why, why I don't have confidence in my salvation. Here's 50 reasons why, why I just don't have any joy in my life. And he says, really, there's only one reason. It's because you don't have Jesus. Because if you have me, then you have everything that you need. I am the vine. Our sufficiency, our adequacy is of God. If anyone does not abide in me, listen, this is serious. He is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. I listened to so many sermons this week of preachers trying to explain how this does not mean exactly what it says. So many preachers who, who were trying to preach that it was impossible once one had been saved to fall from grace. Listen, that's a false teaching. Jesus says, you need to understand, you can be in the branch and be removed. If you don't bear fruit, don't take the fact that you have a home in heaven for granted. Don't, take, don't say, well, you know, Abraham's our father. Well, you know... I was in the upper room. Judas could have said that, couldn't he? Wasn't he there when Jesus says, there's a home that I prepared for you? He didn't get that home. Paul said in Galatians 5 and verse 4, he says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Now, I do not pretend to know all the limits of God's grace, but I do know that it has a limit. I do know that there becomes a point where God says enough is enough. Let's quit pretending as if you are really walking with me. And he instructs the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5 to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Why? That his soul might be saved. I want you to understand that it's possible to lose your salvation because I want you to understand, if you're not walking with Christ, then you are lost, and I want you to be found. He wants you to come back. If I don't realize that I'm off the track, I don't worry about getting back on the track. That's the danger of doctrines like that. Listen to what Jesus says, and let that very clearly resonate in your mind. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire, and it shall, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Jesus talks about this relationship, not while we're out there in the world all by ourselves trying to figure it out, and then one day we'll get to see Jesus. If you get it figured out, then one day you'll get to see Jesus, right? If you just grit your teeth enough, if you just fix yourself enough, that's not what he says. He says, we are in this together. Abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Listen, we're going to be in this together. You're going to, you're going to need something. You're going to ask for something. I'm going to give it to you. This is how my Father is glorified. I am the vine and you are the branches. See, we started off by asking, where do you go? Where do you go when you need strength? Where do you, know, where do you go when you, you need perseverance or encouragement or wisdom or, or, or hope or joy? There are lots of places that we go to answer those problems in our life. 
don't we? Don't we? Sometimes there are people that we go to. Some people turn to, to uh, vacations. Some people turn to um, sexual activity. Some people turn to food. Some people turn to, you could go on and on. The point is, all those things are going to leave you short. All those things are going to let you down. Most of us have lived enough life to know and to have seen them. Not just let other people down, we've seen them let us down. This is what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. Where we've achieved certain things and we say, well that wasn't it, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. That's a bunch of nothing. A thing that I thought was everything. That, I thought, that thing that I thought was going to be the answer to my prayers. I didn't do it. I got it. I got it and I still don't have joy. You want to be happy in life? You want to have meaning and purpose and joy in your life? Look at verse 11. Last verse. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. I want your life to be a full life. I want you to have peace and joy and contentment. And I'm trying to show you the way. Listen, I know there are winds and there are waves, but don't you take your eyes off of me. I know that there are those in, in, this, in, this, in this room who are, who are not living on the vine. Maybe you've never been on the vine. Maybe, maybe because of your own sin, you've, you've never given yourself and been baptized and, and been added to the body of Christ. Maybe, maybe you've just sat there fruitless. Maybe you can tell me about when you were baptized and you, have, and you have proceeded from that moment to sit on a pew and that's it. And because of that, you've been removed from the vine. Maybe you've cut yourself off the vine and you need to repent of sin in your life. Maybe, maybe you've just failed to abide in Jesus. Now, He is the answer. He is the answer. Everything else falls short. But he is, the, he, is the, he is the true vine. And He invites us to root as He provides for us. If you have a need this morning, you come as we stand and as we sing.